You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's finally Friday. Welcome into Crunch Time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on our simulcast in Stadium 32.3, Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. LSU's basketball season has ended in Nashville last night at the hands of Vanderbilt. We said yesterday, you're going to have to shoot in the 40s. They shot in the 30s. We'll recap that game. We will also talk LSU and Cajuns baseball, both at home this weekend. We'll preview those matchups. Spring football began yesterday for the LSU Tigers. We'll talk about that as well. And Jordan Spieth uses a fan's knee, literally, to get inside the cut line at the players. We'll talk about all that and much more. My producer and our co-host is Mr. James the Jimmy Mesh. Jimmy, happy Friday, sir. How are you? Oh, come on, James. Don't be don't be like that. What's up, Matt? Hey, buddy. How are you? Doing all right. How about you? Just all right? Yeah. You're, not, you're not good? It's a Friday. It is a Friday. You don't have to look at me starting tomorrow. I know. It's going to be great. I know. I don't have to look at you either, so the feeling's mutual. But so look, we we'll start with LSU basketball. We we said it going into the game last night. Forty four percent is what it was gonna take. And you shot one for three. You shot thirty three point three percent. We said that it was going to take KJ Williams doing what he does. Hey, you got that. And then somebody else stepping up. Adam Miller was not one of them. Cam Hayes was okay. Cam Hayes did all right. Trey Trey Hannibal Hannibal tried his ass off. Trey Hannibal had a good night, 13-13. and Adam Miller. Oh. 0-9. 0-6 from downtown. Now, look, you have bad shooting nights. That's fine. Contribute in other ways. No, no, no. One rebound. Two assists, mm-hmm. one steal. Mm-hmm. Buddy, buddy, what are you doing? And it's and it's funny because when I watched the game, I was like, why is he still in? Go put in someone else for some sort of a spark. Adam Miller wasn't doing anything. K.J. Williams had the ball in his hands the whole time. You had it in his hands so often. Why is Adam Miller here? And then, uh, of course, I don't think anybody saw Jordan Wright coming in with a... 15 and 13 double double. 15 and 15, excuse me. Yeah, put some respect on his name. 15 Put some respect 15. on Jordan Wright's name. But so here's here's the question, James. Jordan Wright, I've recently discovered, not only is he a great player, he's from Baton Rouge. Why is he at Vanderbilt, not at LSU? 
it's an honest question. It's an honest question. Why is that kid not in his hometown? He went to Dunham High School, grew up in Baton Rouge, and yet he's playing a Vandy. It's interesting. But look, you know, obviously coming into this SEC tournament, the expectation for LSU was not high. You won a game. So, I mean, after this SEC season that you just had, winning a game was pretty, pretty, pretty bravo. And here's the thing. Oftentimes, Vanderbilt was up and pretty handily. LSU was able to cut it to within eight at halftime. Mm-hmm. They were down 37-29. Coming out of the locker room timeout, KJ Williams scored seven straight. He put it to within one. Like, LSU, for a cha- for a second, they had a chance to take the lead for the first time and actually maybe try to hold on to it for once. But right, right, after, right after it, Vandy started to catch on. You see, that's been their issue. Catch on fire. Like they've they'll had, they'll have a chance where they put themselves close, and they use all the momentum just to get close, and then it they just drop off. Well, they that that's been their issue all season is mm-hmm. they've had opportunities to close out games. Like look at the last game they played inside the PMAC, they were beating Missouri by thirteen at the half, and yet you got outscored by eighteen in the second half to lose. You 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 struggled to close out basketball games. And speaking of that Missouri team, they are currently beating Tennessee by one point right now with 11 minutes to go in the second half, 53-52 to 52 in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament. So, something to keep an eye on there. Uh, Tennessee has been rumored to be a potential opponent for the Louisiana Rage Cajuns in the NCAA tournament. Looking at some top stories Tua has had his fifth-year option picked up by the Miami Dolphins. Also, Michael Thomas is in extended talks with the Saints on a contract extension that would be, quote, incentive-heavy. James, turns out you were right. Mike T isn't going anywhere. It's looking like it. When... Obviously, we don't know the, the full details, but when you hear the words incentive heavy, mm-hmm. what kind of salary number are you thinking? You're thinking close to the vet men. You're thinking like it's 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 a pretty low number. And then with it being incentive heavy, you're kind of looking at it from, I believe, AJ Green's contract where it's like play 50% of the snaps, play... Like, have 50 catches, right? have 60 catches, have 70 catches, have 80 catches. Like, it's it's almost like a buildup. Like, hey, look, if you play 50% of the season, play 50% of the snaps, you'll get, like, 250,000. You make 50 catches, you'll get 250,000. You make 60 catches, you'll get another 250,000. You get 500 yards, you'll get 250,000. You get 600 yards, you'll get another 250,000. Like, it's, it's kind of like a stack up. Like, you play so many snaps, you have such a percentage of games, you get this many catches, this many yards, and if the Saints make the playoffs, you'll get another 
And then it's like, if you make it as far as the next round, you'll get another bonus. And if you make it to the NFC Championship, you'll get an extra incentive. Like, the more you play, the more you'll get. But you have to be able to play that much and accumulate this much stats for you to get this much money. I'm I'm just wondering, you know, when when you look at a incentive heavy deal, and obviously, I because I it's, it's basically a prove a deal, correct? And I have a feeling that Mike understands that after everything he's been through the last couple of years, that's what it's going to take. Yeah, you play ten games in three seasons, you don't have much leverage to be like, and you've already gotten so much money from the Saints anyway. But it does beg the question, are you going to go from a five-year, $100 million extension to approve it? Or are you going to tell the Saints, look, cut me. I don't really want to be here. I want to go somewhere else. It's in everybody's best interest if you just cut me. I don't think so. I think it's you're going to get a little bit of money, which you've already gotten so much from the previous three years of not playing. I mean, I don't think necessarily the money is what really matters to Mike at this point. If you if you if you've seen him and you've seen his social media and just seeing his mentality in general, dude wants to play. He's been pissed that he hasn't been able to play, and having all the haters who already dissed him before. When he was healthy and was breaking all-time records, they were still dissing him. So being able to prove him wrong and being like everybody, even like the Saints fans that are like that have been won him gone for the last two years, proving them wrong. Yeah, like that to me. That's that's an extra chip on the shoulder for the guy. Now, like, look, I've already got my money. I've already got mine. I've been one to play. I haven't been able to for the last three years, and y'all have been calling me out for it. Let me go prove it to you. Now, staying on that topic, Jameis Winston? That's what's that's what's more interesting because I've mentioned it before. He's a gunslinger. The Saints have the Saints with Dennis Allen. They've kind of moved to like kind of look for more of a ball control type of offense. But I think that's also because you had a lack of weapons. You had Mike for three games. Sure. And this was Pete Carmichael's kind of first time in a while handling so much responsibility. I, I think now that you got Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, I don't know. Like he 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 seems so loyal to the Saints because every time you watch somebody make a big play, whether it's a touchdown, they pick up a fumble, they get a big time hit stick or make an interception or something. He's one of the first people there. He was always one of the first people there to go congratulate the guy. Because he just loves the players on this team and he loves this team. I could see him like being like, yeah, I, I'm willing to be a backup at this point. Because, I mean, what what interest has any other team shown in Jameis? What other team is like, I want you to be my starting quarterback? Well, to be fair, right now he's not available. Correct. So you might not see the interest being publicized. Like like maybe it's not as publicized as an Aaron Rodgers, but it's like we have heard nothing. We all we all assumed Jameis was going to be gone because 
he wants to be a starter, which I don't blame you. I, if I if I was him, I'd want to be a starter too. But I mean, what market does he have? I, I think he could have a lot of market. I mean, think about it: Texans, the Colts, somebody that's drafting a rookie quarterback, or maybe even go even later than than that in the draft. Look at the Raiders. Look at the Dolphins. Look at Tampa. I mean, there's teams that need a quarterback that are probably going to go the rookie route that want to pull in what the Atlanta Falcons did last year with Marcus Mariota. Look, you're a vet. You know how to do it, and you've had experience. Come start for a year. Let's let our rookie get his feet wet. Maybe the last three games of the season he plays, you know, something like that. I could very well see a deal like that getting done for James Winston. And I don't blame him if he goes to do that. I wouldn't blame him if he moves on. Now, for the Saints, if you can rework the deal to where it makes too much sense, then great. But otherwise, why not just cut him and, and take the $5 million that you're going to save and move on? And then go get someone else? Right. Or, God, would it be so bad if Andy Dalton was the backup? His actual, the, the role that he was supposed to have? Would that be so bad? A, f- a, f- a what, fifth year of Andy Dalton being a backup somewhere, and then, oh, he ends up starting. <laughs> I just... It, it don't, like, I know you're not very superstitious, and I, this isn't like a full-blown thing, but it's like every time we've seen Andy Dalton somewhere, he's started for that team at some point even if he has been a backup. Just like that was his initial thing was to be a backup because he play, he started a few games in Dallas. He started a few games in Chicago. He started 14 games I just, for the Saints last year. I, I just don't see Dennis Allen going to James Winston if he has to. If Derek, if Derek Carr goes down, I think he goes to Taysom Hill before he goes to James Winston. So in that case, what's the point of having him? There's just I, I, I just don't see... Where a Dennis Allen, Jameis Winston relationship is ever going to work? I don't. I don't think they would go to Taysom Hill as a second option if Jameis was. If Jameis was the backup, I don't think they would go to Taysom because that's been their whole thing: is we don't want to have Taysom be the quarterback unless there are no other options. That's why they've trained him and like was like, look, we want you but to then just where be that you, Joker role. But then where would you go? I don't think Dennis Allen would use Jameis Winston. I think he would if Derek Carr was injured. If Derek Carr got injured and your backup was Jameis, it's like, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go with Jameis. So then why didn't you use him this year? I think with the philosophy of how the team was, looked at the limited options, just was like, look, let's just make this game more manageable. Like I said, Jameis is a little more of a gunslinger and Andy was more of a kind of passive kind of guy. Where it's like, look, I'm not going to win you the game, but I'm not going to necessarily be the reason why you lose it either. I guess he kind of looked at it as more of this is a safe bet than trying to go with the no-risk-it-no-biscuit Jameis for this season with how little weapons there were. Chris Olave being in his first season, you have no idea who your wide receiver two is. He was the wide receiver two, but then Mike also got injured that third week, and you're like, oh, not looking too good. Not Mm -hmm. looking too good. I don't know. I just, I just don't. Because I, I, I don't think, I don't think Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston's relationship with one another is as bad as maybe we made it out to be. 
We'll see. We'll see. We'll take a time out here when we return. LSU started spring football yesterday. We'll hear from Brian Kelly, his thoughts on the, the spring that's ahead for the Bayou Bengals next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome with the toughest monster truck tour. Returning March 17th and 18th and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has a VIP package. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com for four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. The toughest monster truck tour is back, and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 422, almost 423 here on your Friday Fun Show. Some interesting news just came across the timeline. According to Green Bay Packers general manager Mark Murphy, Aaron Rodgers will not be a Packer this season. And I can't really say that I'm surprised. Because here's... Here's the thing. You can look at what Aaron Rodgers has done for the Packers. It, it, he's, it, it's incredible, right? He brought them to a Super Bowl. He's won multiple league MVPs. He's had them in position to win multiple more Super Bowls than what they did. He's been great. But there comes a point in time where things just get stale. And things just need to change. Very similar to a uh, Les Miles at LSU scenario. Look, Les Miles was a great coach. But once 2015 rolled around, it was time for them to move on. Um, and, and I think it's a very similar situation for the Packers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to be in Green Bay anymore. Clearly, Green Bay doesn't want Aaron Rodgers anymore. They said they had enough. Um, enough look I, I think it's time I think it's time um, I, I firmly believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a New York Jet and that Jordan Love is going to be the starting quarterback for the Packers curveball ready for this one all right you know how he loves doing Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays mm-hmm. with the Pat McAfee show right oh god does he go to the Colts Colts they got some nice draft capital and they don't really have a quarterback at the moment so instead of having to trade a young quarterback but, or whatever to Green Bay? But if you're the Colts, mm-hmm. wouldn't you just want to draft? You have the fourth pick. Wouldn't you just want to take C.J. Stroud and develop him? I'm looking at that AFC South. Texans, you're not worried about them right now. No, you're not. Tennessee, you're not they're going downhill. Right either. They're, they're going they're downhill. Bl- they're blowing up shop. You got some really nice young weapons. You still got Jonathan Taylor on a rookie deal. You still got Michael Pittman on a rookie deal. The defense looks good. Off the offensive line is still pretty solid. Still one of the better ones. You go get Aaron Rodgers. You're you're in contention right away with Jacksonville for the AFC South, and you can make some noise in the why would in you, the whole AFC. Why would you want a guy 
that is declining. Why would you want a guy that's declining? And let's be let's be totally honest. They might win their division. They're not doing jack in the playoffs. They're not. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals. No. There, there's no room there for the Colts. I wouldn't be surprised if he went to the Jets because have you seen uh, Sauce Gardner's like newest video? Yeah, he's where he ruined his cheese head. Where he burned the cheese head, and he was talking with Brees Hall and one of the other defensive players, and they were like, "Please, Aaron Rodgers, please come, come play with us." I think. Can you can you imagine Aaron Rodgers throwing to you on a wheel route? So if you're Aaron Rodgers, the Colts make a ton of sense for everything that you just laid out. But if you're the Colts, I think you draft. Because I feel like man, maybe I'm crazy for this. I feel like C.J. Stroud's one of those guys that's going to step in as a rookie and do well. I don't think I don't think either route for the Colts is a bad one. I think both are good options. I'm I'm interested to see how everything like, whether, plays out with Aaron Rodgers. Because whether you want to go with Aaron Rodgers and trade some other draft capital, I'd say go for it. And and who's to say? Who's to say? Because the Green Bay, they lost some leverage with that. They lost some leverage with saying he is absolutely not going to be a Packer. You lost leverage in deals with that. You did. So with that, you don't necessarily have to trade that fourth overall pick. Who's to say you don't trade future draft capital, like in 2024 and 2025, or even like a second rounder in this year's draft? Who's to say you don't trade those and still keep that fourth pick? Breaking news for you from Ian Rappaport. Sources are saying the Bears are trading the number one overall pick to Carolina. In exchange for big-time compensation, including multiple first-rounders. Chicago loads up and lands at number nine, while Carolina can draft its quarterback of the future. Whoa! Wowzers! So Carolina drafts Bryce Young. Or CJ Stroud, whichever one you really will Levis. Oh if you, God, if, Levis. if you're high on him, <laughs> Anthony Richardson. Oh my God, the combine was incredible. Hey, air high five. Oh Pack my God, Bears trading back as I, they should have. As they should have. Great move. If anything, they should trade back again to get even more. Here's the thing: is number nine a bad place to be? Thought they were. Uh, I mean, yeah, in the top ten. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, and now, and now you've got multiple future firsts. Right. You win. You win. To me, do it again. Do it do it again. Mm, I'd do it again. I think I think you're good at nine. I think you're good at nine because you still need pieces. Yeah. But I think I'm you're not good I'm nine. not saying trade to like twenty nine for the Saints pick. I'm saying trade back oh, to mean, like if they, if they trade back to twelve. That. If they want to trade back to I mean if they want to do that, I mean that's fine. Sure. But I'm saying trade trade back like three more spots. Trade back like if somebody at twelve or thirteen really wants that nine pick. I'll give you Michael Thomas for the number nine. Oh my god. I'll give you Michael Thomas for the number nine. I'm I'm sure the Saints would do that, and the Bears should too because uh-huh, that gives yeah. Justin Fields a weapon. Oh yes, let's let's throw the ball to Darnell Mooney. Hey, Darnell's pretty good. Let's throw the ball to Darnell Mooney. The issue is they Chase traded Claypool. The issue was they traded like who's a third rounder for Chase Claypool, who's, 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 who's the same busy, archetype who's, as who's Mike too Thomas. Busy, who's too busy doing TikTok dances on the sidelines and saying that he's a top three wide receiver in the NFL instead of actually catching passes on the field. But it, I digress. 
LSU spring football opened yesterday. Head coach Brian Kelly, fresh off his first 10-win season in Baton Rouge, talked about the issues in the running back room where quarterbacks stand, things of that nature. Uh, But here is him talking about spring is about doing the things that are necessary. Well, today was the first day of uh, spring practice for us. And as I reminded our players, um, it's it's really um, a progression of, you know, what we do every day. Um, And that progression of what we do every day is is building on the things that go to being successful. And so there's no scoreboard out in spring practice. You know, there's no winners. There's no losers. Uh, what it's really about is the total development um, of uh, the individual and um, them understanding that uh, you need uh, more than just talent alone um, to win a national championship. So making sure that they clearly understand what this next five, six weeks is about. Uh, it's not a, hey, I won that drill, or hey, I won this um, one-on-one matchup. It's really about your total preparation, and it's about how you continue to develop the traits necessary to um, be elite. Compensation update. Carolina will be trading the following for the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Pick number nine. Pick number 61, a first rounder in 2024, a second rounder in 2025, and here's the curveball, DJ Moore. Okay, so cool. You got the number one overall pick. You get to throw, you get to get your quarterback of the future, but James, who does he throw to? Who is if you traded DJ Moore, who who is he going to throw to? The ghost of Devin Funches? Deontay Foreman? Ian uh, Thomas? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Bryce Young's gonna walk into that wide receiver room and go, what the hell is this? What is this? I'm throwing to a paper clip and a used napkin. <laughs> Why did you bring me here? Would have rather y'all just not trade. <laughs> oh, bud. Oh, I'd have rather sat That's, behind Justin hey, Fields in hey, Chicago. Hey, there you go now. There you go now for uh for old Chicago. You got Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore for Justin Fields and then, and Cole and, Komet and, and you Chase got David Claypool. Montgomery and Khalil Herbert and then Chase Claypool. Uh, Chase Claypool. Well, apparently barely. the Bears are trying to trade David Montgomery. I wouldn't blame them. They're trying to trade Montgomery. I wouldn't blame them. So. But no, big big move there for for not only for Carolina but for Chicago. I mean, shout out Chicago. The Bears Let's go just, get a dog. The Bears just said two first, two seconds, and a good receiver. Yes, sir. For the one. All right, that's fine. Honestly, good on DJ Moore. Right, right. Good, good. for him. It's gonna be cold. He got but he, he got out of that dump that is Charlotte. It's gonna be cold, but it's fine. Oh, buddy, it's gonna be Terrace oh. Marshall time. Oh, Terrace Marshall time in Carolina. Oh, bud. That's going to be 
that I'm that, excited. Now I gotta go trade for him in Dynasty. That's intriguing. Uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll continue the Brian Kelly LSU Spring Football conversation next. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. James, I sincerely apologize to the Carolina Panthers. I forgot a receiver that Bryce Young will be able to throw to now. LaVisca Chenault. There it is. There it is. Oh, yeah, those flat routes. Bryce Young loves those. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe they go get Chan- Maybe they go get Chosen Anderson. Bring him back. So Brian Kelly, <laughs> continuing that conversation, John Emery Jr. will not be with the team during the spring to focus on academics. Uh, his goal right now is to get his degree. Armani Goodwin also struggling with injuries. Josh Williams is struggling with injuries right now as well. So Brian Kelly addressed the issues in the running back room. Yeah, they're working through uh, the injuries that they suffered. Um, you know, they're out there at practice. Uh, they've been great uh, in terms of their rehab. And, uh, you know, certainly um, Josh is the closest in terms of being able to come back and, um, you know, do some more drill work in the spring. Armani will not be back until camp. Um, and, you know, Certainly, uh, Trey Hawley's going to get a lot of work, and he did today. Matter of fact, he grabbed me in the hallway, and you know, and, and typically as a freshman, you can imagine there were some some errors, and he was he was looking for Coach Wilson, and you know, wanted to apologize. I was like, just keep showing up, <laughs> just show up every day. You're going to be fine. And uh, he's got a great motor, he's got a great attitude, he's got all the things that you want. It's just the first day, and he's swimming. He also brought up the spring game this year, you know, with it being televised, the the idea is that you don't want to give away too much early on in the year. So he talked about how the format's going to go for the spring game. Yeah, you, you know, I don't think you're going to throw exotics in there and and do those kinds of things, but you still if look, if you can play the game, you want to do what I just said, right? You want to continue that competition. You still want to be able to put those kids in a position where, you know, they can work on all of those things. Last year was a little bit different. As you know, I try to treat it as a game where we did pregame meal and we did the walk and we did all those things because they had never been involved, nor had I. So I wanted to take that anxiety out of the first game for us. Um, And uh, so, as we go through the spring, you know, we'll have to evaluate what the numbers look like. So you could have a short spring game, but you could have some seven on seven. You could have some individual drills. You could have some of the things where the fans could still be involved in it. Uh, but we'll have to see how that goes. He also spoke about with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC, you're going to have three set opponents for starting in 2024 with LSUs being a&M, Alabama, and Ole Miss. I mean, you know, we, we play all three of those teams. So, for me, it, it just didn't seem to be uh, any different. Um, you know, I expected that it was probably going to be Ole Miss and Alabama and whether it was going to be A&M or Texas or somebody else. Um, you know, it, it just – it's not something that I really 
thought much about because I wanted to play SEC teams. You know, when, that's why I came here. So um, I just think I come from it from a different perspective in that um, I respect all the opponents we play, and um, I think it's important that you know we play certain teams. But if we could play all SEC schools, and that was the smart thing. I know it's not the smart thing to do, uh, but I think nine is is great because it's going to prepare you uh, and your football team, um, you know, for what eventually will be in 2024, you know, a, an expanded you know playoff field, and I think that's a good thing. And then you know, James, when you take a new coaching job, that first off season is always super hectic because you're struggling to you're you're putting a staff and you're meeting the players and you're you know learning your way around the new town that you now live in and you know there's just a lot going on in that first off season. So Brian Kelly was asked, you know, this off season's a lot more quiet thus far than your first one. What's different about this year than last year? Uh well, I I think, you know, we always put the you know the the blinders on regardless of what's going on and and focus on what's important and and as i kind of alluded to in, in my opening remarks what's important is really important for this football team in year two um as as we go back into uh the development of how do we become more consistent it's everything that i just talked about so as important of all the things that we t had to do last year this is equally as important. It's just what's more important this year um, is a little bit different than last year. So it's just a different chapter that we're moving through in the development of the football program. Um, but uh, I think we just kind of, you know, have tunnel vision and know that this is what's really crucial and important to us now. All right, James, we, we got to go back to the to the Carolina Bears trade because that's just monumental conversation. So now Carolina is going to have their choice of quarterback unless they get freaky and go defense. Will Anderson. I mean Jalen Carter. I mean Nolan Smith. It, there's there's possibilities there. <laughs> well, Nolan Smith the, the one. I mean that'd be cr Look, I know I mean, he's had a crazy combine, but oh my god. The Bears win this trade, right? Mm -hmm. You add depth at the wide receiver room because you, you've been lacking weapons. Justin Fields, he's not the greatest passer right now. He's really been focusing on his feet because that's how he's really been able to make plays. You getting another weapon to help him out, another year in the system for him, because if you keep moving offensive coordinators every single year, how is the kid going to be able to develop? The only way that I could see Carolina winning this trade is if they took the one mm -hmm. and then next year's first and turned it into Lamar. That's the only way I could see them, quote-unquote, winning this trade. Because if they give Lamar an offer sheet that he agrees to and then Baltimore doesn't want to match it, obviously, two firsts, Lamar comes to Carolina, that'd be the only way I could see that being a win. And then even then, you've already, you're putting so much investment because when you need so much help other places. Everywhere. everywhere. You're putting so much investment into Lamar. Lamar's been a great talent, but 
he needs help because this will be even less help than he had in Baltimore. And you're starting to look at you're you're going for just pretty much about a fully guaranteed contract for Lamar with no help. Now and look, he's been injured the last couple of years. Now look, I've got a friend that lives in Charlotte. He's a big Carolina Panthers fan. He texted me and said that this was a sick joke. Apparently, Carolina fans are angry. Apparently, they are not happy about this. Which I mean, I could, I could kind of, I could kind of see it. The defense looks good. The you de- gave up a lot. You did. You gave up four high quality picks and your star receiver for the number one overall pick. You, you have to make sure. That this pick goes right. You have to make sure that this is somebody that you're going to build around for the next at least 15 years. If you're Carolina. You invested so much draft capital. If you get this pick wrong. This is setting you back at least 10 years. You are screwed. Screwed. Like Carolina's already not in a great place. They're okay. They're not in the best place. But depending on what they would have done if they didn't make this trade, depending on what they would have done over the next couple of years, they could have looked a lot better. But now you have put all your eggs into this basket. My immediate reaction when I first saw the trade, I said, Oh crap, now we're gonna have to play Bryce Young or CJ Stroud twice a year. But then I'm thinking about it and I'm like LaVisca Chenault and Terrace Marshall. Who's he gonna throw to? I like Deontay Foreman as a running Who's back. Who's going to protect him? They did get uh, Ekim last year. Okay, so you got one guy? They got a couple of guys. They still were able to get Brady Christensen in the draft. So their line's okay, but it's, it's not. It like I would probably put it slightly below middle of the pack. Like if like that's just off top. Yeah, I mean, like it's not... it's not a great O line, but I would say it's serviceable. Who's coaching him? Like, there are so many variables in Carolina that now I kind of want to pop some popcorn on draft night and see if they screw this up. Because I could very, very well hear the commissioner going, with the first overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft, the Carolina Panthers select Jalen Carter, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Which is a good pick. Don't get me wrong. But you gave up four picks and DJ Moore to go get Jalen Carter when you could have stayed at nine and got Brian Breezy, Miles Murphy, Nolan Smith. Especially when that front seven already looks so good. Right. You still got Brian Burns, Derek Brown. Yatur Grossmatos, he's been okay, but you, Frankie Louvre really popped off for the for the Panthers last year, and they still got Shaq Thompson. You're gonna, and that secondary looks good, too. You're going to draft a quarterback. I, I know you are. You're going to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. But why? My, my question is why. Your offensive line is weak, not really going to be able to protect them. Your running back situation is not that great. Your receiver situation, not that great. And now your tight end situation. Still not that great. So you are bringing in a rookie quarterback that's going to have to develop into a losing situation. And then you gave up all your major draft capital for the next two years. 
plus your star receiver in DJ Moore. I right now, obviously, it's going to be a wait and see thing to see how whatever quarterback Carolina takes shapes out. But on paper today, Chicago just fleeced Carolina. Just absolutely fleeced them. And we'll we'll, we'll keep this conversation going yeah, after we, this. We'll take we'll take a timeout. Wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you the chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, burner, paddle, ice chest, tumblers and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. We'll even throw in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now in the Game Rewards Club for the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Wrapping up hour number one. We've been so worried about this Bears-Panthers trade. We've been so shook that we haven't even gotten to the poll question of the day. But, I mean, kind of kind of looking at it right now. Kind of like, do you, do you think Matt McMahon, do you think he can turn around the LSU men's basketball team? I think I think he can. It's just gonna. It's going to take some time. I think because this year, this year was a big reality reset. I think it's too early to even have that conversation. Um, I mean, he just finished year one, and there were there were times where they had flashes of excellence, and they had times where they had flashes of being in the stinker. But he was he was coaching SEC basketball with the G five roster. Mm-hmm. Give him time to get SEC level recruits. Give him time a full offseason to build the program the way he wants it built. And I think LSU is going to be fine. Yeah. So you think that he'll be able to turn around? Yeah. Yeah. It 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 never gave a we never gave a specific timetable. But I believe within the next two or three years you will see a turnaround for this LSU men's basketball team because he didn't he he didn't have a lot to work with this year. Right. He did not. No, he, that's he why. Really that's didn't. why. And and with what Lily had to work with, KJ Williams, he had to take on so much responsibility. The fact that they were even relatively close, the fact that they had opportunities so often this year to actually win games, that's to me really impressive. Because even though we looked at that eleven and one start, and you were like, "Well, th- these are not good opponents," that is very true. And we knew that it was going to kind of turn around for them in the bat in the opposite direction once it came to SEC play. We knew that it was going to turn around. We didn't think it was going to be two and sixteen bad. No, no, I, I certainly didn't expect that. I was thinking more of like a 
six and twelve. Yeah, six and twelve. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. Six and I, twelve. Maybe maybe you get seven eleven if you're lucky. But seven eleven. So, yeah, seven eleven. But it the fact that we watched them, they hit a huge roadblock. The fact that even though they had really bad offensive performances, the defense still looked really good. Yeah. And at times they were in position to keep it close and actually steal a game, or they were winning, they just ended up giving up the lead late. Yeah. So it was actually more positives if you look at it from that perspective, like, okay, yeah, you lost a lot, but it didn't it's actually it wasn't as bad as you look at it just face forward, like just for face value. Right. We'll hear from Matt McMahon in hour number two. We're going to kick off hour number two with our guy Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. We'll get his thoughts on this Bears-Panthers trade. Are, did the Panthers really just trade up to number one for a guy that they could have gotten at number nine? We'll also talk with Chrissy Freud. We'll get her thoughts on this trade, and we'll evaluate the, the quarterbacks. Who's Carolina taking in, in with the first overall pick now that they have it? Should they take Bryce Young? Should they take C.J. Stroud? We'll get her thoughts in hour number two as well. Broadcasting live from the EVCO Development Studios, this is Crunch Time right here on The Game. It is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. We're back with hour number two after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time on a Friday, which means one hour to go until the weekend right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111 in our number one. We recapped LSU falling to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament last night in Nashville. We also looked at this monumental trade in college in, in the NFL football. Carolina trading for the number one overall pick. They gave up everything. Literally everything. Other than Bank of America Stadium, they got rid of it all. Uh, we will talk about that trade some more here in hour number two. We'll also preview the weekend in college baseball. LSU at home versus Samford. Louisiana at home versus High Point. We'll preview both of those matchups, and we'll talk about the Players' Championship and NASCAR before we get out of here. Uh, but to be, to begin our number two, it's our guy Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company. He joins us each and every Friday for Jake's Takes. Jake, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Man, it's Friday. I'm always doing good on a Friday. So what are your instant thoughts on this trade between Chicago and Carolina? The Bears fleeced them 100%. Just totally fleeced them. You get one first rounder this year, one second rounder this year, one first rounder next year, one second uh, rounder next year, and DJ Moore, and I only got to drop back to six. Thank you very, very much. I think the Bears won the trade. I think the Panthers are going to go get Bryce Young. So I, I think that that would probably be their second smartest move. I think who they should go get is C.J. Stroud, but you know the the more I read into it and the more that I think about it, I would not be surprised if Carolina took Anthony Richardson. Oh no! Look, nothing ever surprises me in the NFL draft. I, I'm just surprised 
how everybody acts surprised that Anthony Richardson did so well at the combine. That's like his his thing. That's that's why he's being talked about the way he's could say. I'd have been more surprised if he went and ran four six. But no, somebody reaching in the NFL early in the draft for a quarterback. Oh, never. So what what's interesting for me is. Obviously, there there was a need for Carolina to get a quarterback. I, I don't disagree with that. But you give up your next two first and your next two seconds, plus your top receiver in DJ Moore. I mean, this quarterback that you're going to draft, who the hell is he going to throw to? Yeah, good luck. It's going to be like the little giant. He's going to be like, down, set. Like it's, uh, if I'm DJ Moore, though, I'm not pissed. I'm going to play with Justin Fields? Okay. You got Darnell Mooney? Okay. Now you've got all these picks? Um, so, yeah, look, Carolina sold the bag to get the quarterback, so we'll see. I just, uh, again, it's part of what looks like a rebuild. New Orleans Saints signing Derek Carr. What are your thoughts? I mean, cool. I mean, he played nine years, one, uh, played in one playoff game and lost. I mean, look, your, your ceiling isn't really any higher, but your floor is a lot higher. Uh, you're playing in a bad division. You'll sneak into the playoffs and lose in the first round, and that'll be better than what has happened the last couple of years. But when it comes to winning Super Bowls, which is what Saints fans really want, uh, I don't think this was the move in the long term to win a Super Bowl. Also staying on the Saints, there's there's talks that they're in conversation with Michael Thomas on an incentive-heavy contract. you think that works out well for the Saints? be able to renegotiate and get it where he has to prove it on the field, I think it does. I still think there's some value in Michael Thomas, but he just got a lot of Anthony Davis in him. Now, looking at the NBA, you know, Zion Williamson just cannot find the floor. Man. Um, and now Brandon Ingram sprains his ankle. I mean, can the Pelicans, the Pelicans can't seem to get out of their own way. Well, I can't believe they super max Zion. Like, I, I said this with you should have. You could have got so much if you would have traded him, and you had a good core that it was working without Zion. He's never going to be healthy. He's not. I'm just telling you. So it it's amazing uh, to me. I, I get the potential. We've seen it. We've seen great, great Zion. We know he can be great, but the best ability is availability. And you may be a great you may be a great worker when you're here, but if you don't show up to work, whether it's by injury or whatever then I'm not getting any value out of you. So when they were discussing what to do with Zion, I was screaming, trade this man, keep that core, bring in, you know, you got C.J. McCollum, add some more pieces, and go win the thing. But now you're stuck. You're just stuck. Spring football getting underway for a lot of major college football programs. What are some early college football storylines that you're following along with? Well, you know, a lot of it's just returning quarterbacks, especially in the SEC. You know, you look at LSU bringing back Jaden Daniels, South Carolina bringing back Spencer Rattler. You know, is Robbie Ashford going to be the guy uh, in Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia are both replacing quarterbacks? So it's really, then you look at Ole Miss, who has Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, and Walker Howard. I mean, there's a lot of storylines right now out there at the quarterback position, and it's going to be kind of a new chapter at the quarterback position in the SEC as a whole. Uh, but then you look at the Pac-12, who has the exact opposite uh, going on. You return Michael Penix at Washington, uh, Cam Rising at Utah, Bo Nix at Oregon, Jake Delora at Arizona, uh, you know, obviously Caleb Williams at USC, uh, DJU went out to Oregon State. We'll see how that works out. So, obviously, quarterbacks are always going to be in the forefront. But 
you know, what teams are uh, what what teams are going to be sneaky this year? You know, that that's that's another one I try and look at, and I typically look at how they're going to be up front. Chatting with Jake Crane, host of Jake's Takes here, host of Crane and Company on Jake's <laughs> Takes. They almost almost messed that up, but. One one thing I have to get to with you because I, I saw you tweet about it earlier today. Let's make our listeners in Lake Charles happy. Will Wade, he's back. Willie, oh, oh slick Willie, back at McNeese. I bet they make the tournament. I was, I I was about to ask good. how you know how what quickly. I find hilarious though, in in just the way this this works. Texas Tech, and look, Mark Adams is the greatest guy of all time. The Texas Tech basically fires Mark Adams for quoting the Bible on some high horse morality thing. And now they express interest in Rick Patino, who gave strippers to the players. Like, are you kidding me, man? But no, Will Wade uh, at McNeese, I'm glad he's back. I mean, look, everybody's paying everybody. Well, especially now, right? I mean, when he yeah, when I mean, he did it, it was like, illegal. It's like if they made weed legal and you got – you know, caught smoking weed like a week before the bill got passed. It's like, oh, well, you know. So so now the, the question kind of becomes, how long does Will Wade stay at McNeese? Dude, I, dude, look, look, that, that, that doesn't matter anymore. Like, that, that, like the, the, it, the, I don't think that matters anymore. If Rick Pitino, Chris Beard can hop right back in, Rick Pitino can hop right back in, there, there is no more like waiting, like that. The, or the time to wait, unless you just did something egregious, is is that's like uh, over with. Uh, he'll be if he wins at McNeese, somebody will go get him. Now let, let's flip over to golf. The Players' Championship happening this weekend. Basically, the fifth major. Uh, yep. Jor- Jordan Spieth was uh, about to charter a flight back home until his his tee box shot ricocheted off of a fan's knee. He ended up eagling the hole, and now he's going to play in the weekend. Look, yeah, that's exactly what Jordan Spieth needs, just more luck. Great. Congrats. I love when great things happen to super rich people. It's awesome. Because it's funny, when you look at the shot, I mean, that ball was going straight for the water. Uh, look, again, as somebody who's hit it in the water many times and hit many, many things, nothing surprises me in golf anymore. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. But, like, of, of course it happens to Jordan Speed, but he'll somehow find a way to blow it. Are uh, are you surprised the Tiger didn't play in this tournament? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, as old as he is, I, I was disappointed. You know, I was hoping he'd kind of come off that weekend at the Genesis, you know, feeling a little bit better. But did you see where he's uh, – his, you know, ex-girlfriend or whatever is trying to sue him? Yeah. Oh, what? my gosh. $30 million? What? He tricked her to get her out of the house. He said there he was taking her on vacation. She packed up all her stuff. And, he, and she was at the airport, and he's like, we're not going on vacation. I just, you got to go. <laughs> and now she's suing him. Tiger's a savage. <laughs> and the last thing I want to get to with you, Jake, Talking about the SEC, the SEC basketball tournament going on in Nashville right now. LSU fell last night to Vanderbilt. But the storyline right now, how about Missouri upsetting Tennessee 79-71? to Yeah, look, uh, Missouri's got some scores. Uh, I mean, when, when you look at Kobe and what he's able to do, 
Uh, obviously, the Hodge kid was hot today. They can fill it up from three. They've been scoring a lot all year. The question is, you know, their defensive ability. And uh, while they didn't play great against Tennessee, they were able to score a lot against the Tennessee defense that's pretty much locked down. But, man, the SEC, they're going to get eight in. Mississippi State beat Florida yesterday. Uh, SEC basketball, man, it's just amazing how far we've come. Nobody's stopping Alabama, though, right? Stop. Give me Houston. I love old guards defense and teams that can run they got all of that i'm telling you man watch out for houston and then miami isaiah long which acc player of the year i don't think that dude has bones in his body kelvin sampson is a hell of a coach i wouldn't be surprised if houston made a run at him look houston's gonna be there those old guards win in march and i'm telling you houston you know about defense oh it's suffocating i get nervous watching it jake what you watching this weekend College basketball, man. I love tournament basketball. Just put it on a pillow and smother me with it. <laughs> Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company, joining us here on Jake's Takes on a Friday. Jake, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the basketball this weekend, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Sounds good, man. Y'all be good. And there he goes, Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company. Tennessee goes down. Does that move them out of the realm of possibility to play the Cajuns? Maybe. We'll see. The bracket comes out on Sunday. Uh, tournaments finish up this weekend. Uh, I-, I like what he had to say about Houston, though. He's right. Old guards, veteran guards, find a way to win games in the tournament. Even games that they probably shouldn't win, they find ways to get it done. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time when we return We'll hear from Matt McMahon recapping the Vanderbilt loss last night. And then James and I will preview both LSU and UL baseball, both teams at home this weekend for three. We'll talk about that next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at The Game know you love our shenanigans both on and off the air, and we want to help you help us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. Click the bell so you can get notifications for when we post our brand new content. And once we get to 1,000 subscribers, you'll see even more of our after-work mischief and behind-the-scenes shenanigans right here on YouTube at The Game Louisiana. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back, 518 here on your Friday. Getting close to wrapping up the work week. We got one more interview for you today. Chrissy Freud will join us to discuss the quarterback class in this 2023 NFL draft. But before we do that, we talked earlier about LSU and Vanderbilt and LSU falling just short against Vanderbilt last night. Just really didn't shoot the ball well. Um, We we talked yesterday about how they needed to shoot somewhere in the low 40s. They shot 33. Uh, That's just not going to get it done. And uh, Matt McMahon gave his thoughts on the loss to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. Congratulations to them on the win tonight. They've always been really good on the offensive end of the floor, but I think their defensive improvement 
has really allowed them to go on this great run and, and get in the NCAA tournament conversation. Uh, so that's a tremendous credit to their players and, and Coach Stackhouse. And then secondly, to to lose a player of, of Liam Robbins' caliber, you know, really ha have not missed a beat these last three games, and that's to take nothing away from from Robbins, deservedly, you know, an All SEC player. Uh, but again, you know, just admire what they've been able to accomplish here uh, in February and March. He also went on to talk about how he thought his team performed in this game. KJ Williams putting up another great night. Trey Hannibal having another double-double, but everybody else was just kind of lackluster. I thought our players as a, as a whole, we came down this week uh, or came here to Nashville. I, th I thought we competed. Um, yeah, I thought we were more connected on, on the defensive end of the floor for the most part. Uh, but unfortunately, just you know, in credit to Vanderbilt's defense, we, we were unable uh, to score the ball efficiently enough today uh, to give ourselves a chance to win. Matt McMahon also talked about his first season in Baton Rouge as a whole. Losing record, very poor in the SEC, finished 14th. And just kind of recapped the, the season as a whole and what fans can expect for season number two in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I think clearly disappointed in the overall result of the season. Uh, I know you, you asked me one of your first questions when I was blessed to get to take this job. Uh, so what are your goals? Uh, my goal is the same every year. I want to help our players and our team max out and become the best we're capable of being. And whether that's 15 wins, 18 wins, or, or 31 wins. And um, I don't think we were able to get that accomplished this year. And that's clearly my responsibility. But I also, you know, there's the reality also, I'm well aware, and I'm, I'm not an excuse maker. I, you know, I don't blame anybody or, or complain. The, the reality is we didn't take over for the 22-win LSU team that went to the NCAA tournament. We took over a program in crisis, zero players, zero signees. Um, really had to start at ground zero and try to put a team together and, uh, and do our best moving forward. Unfortunately, wasn't able to get it done at the level I would have liked to in January and February. Uh, we'll take quite a few positives from the year. Uh, number one, I'm excited and thrilled about the opportunity to coach at LSU. Uh, it was a privilege getting to watch KJ Williams come in and be an all SEC player. Uh, you know, there were moments to the comeback at Wake Forest, largest comeback since 1996 at LSU, the home win against Arkansas. Um, but at the end of the day, didn't get the job done at the level I would have liked to have gotten it done, and we'll learn from it and look forward to moving into the future. Now, staying on the topic of LSU, James, LSU baseball, the top-ranked Tigers, hosting a three-game series tonight against – or starting tonight, excuse me – against Samford. Now, I'm going to set the odds – or the number, oh, let's play over under, 0.5 that Samford wins a game this season or, or this weekend. James, over, under? Under. Under. Not giving the Bulldogs any chance. I mean, I'm not either. 
Um, so I, I can't say that. I blame you. Tonight's probably going to be 15-2 to two in seven innings. Tomorrow is going to be... I feel like Saturday would be the closest of the three. Yeah, tomorrow. And then Sunday is going to be like 8-3. And then Sunday is just going to be another 15-2. It's going to be a 22-3. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough weekend to be, to be a Samford Bulldog, but yeah, no. It's also Military Appreciation Weekend. Be a nice, uh, be a nice payday for for the program. Yeah. So, uh, look, you know that 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 sometimes when you're a smaller school like Sanford, sometimes you have to go through those. You have to take those those lumps and uh, take your paycheck and run. So, first game tonight at six thirty. They'll play tomorrow at six thirty, and then they'll round it out on Sunday at one o'clock. Meanwhile, the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns hosting High Point University out of the Big South Conference. Projected to finish third preseason in the conference. They're off to a 5-7 and seven start on the season. Which is good for seventh right now in their, is, in their conference. It is seventh. Um, and look, you know, looking at, at who they've played thus far, they swept Bryant to open the season. They got craned by App State. They got swept by Alabama. And then they went... Two and two against Lafayette College, and then lost to Davidson on Tuesday. So they're now going to play three games here at Russo Park. Uh, tonight's starting pitcher is going to be David Keith. He has a 4.91 ERA. He's pitched seven innings, six hits. He's given up five runs. He has walked eight, and he has struck out ten. Uh, that plays into the Cajuns' hands because if you look at the Cajuns. Offense is not an issue. The offense is not a problem. Pitching, again, has been a problem. Ding, 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 ding. You've got Jake Hammond, who has pitched well at points. Brendan Moody has been up and down. He's going to pitch on Saturday. Jackson Nazu has kind of been the high point so far in your Sunday spot. And your midweek guys have been okay. Starting pitching has been solid as a whole. But then it's the bullpen, and it's and it's the same issue that the the Cajuns had last year. The bullpen comes in and really just struggles to hold on to the lead, unless you're Blake Marshall, who just comes in and just blows the doors off of people. Um, but look, you're going to depend on Heath Hood. He's hitting 426 in the first 12 games of the season. He is a 12 game hitting streak to start the season. He has gotten a base hit in every single game the Cajuns have played this year. Um, and now he has reached base safely in their last 29 games, dating back to the final 17 games of the season last year. So for the last 29 games, Heath Hood has found a way to get on base at least once in a game. It is absolutely insane what this offense has been able to do. Carson Rockefort, Julian Brock, and then even the young guys, John Taylor, Luke Juhas, Lee Amade. You're getting contribution from all over the yard. Max Marshak is coming out of his shell a little bit at the plate. Kyle DeBarge as well. This team, from an offensive perspective, is Matt Degg's baseball. They are going to get base hits. They're going to move runners into scoring position, and then they are going to play small ball to get them home. Get runs however you can get them. They're playing Matt Degg's baseball. They're playing it very well, and uh, it's going to be a fun series this weekend once again. Jake Hammond tonight, Brendan Moody tomorrow afternoon, 
And then Jackson Nazu going to round it out on Sunday. Sunday start time is at noon instead of 1 p.m. like normal. Uh, but all three of those games at Russo Park against the Panthers of High Point University. Looking at some more top stories in sports, the Players' Championship, we talked earlier about Jordan Spieth and his crazy shot on 18 to stay alive. Uh, play at the at TPC Sawgrass has been suspended uh, due to weather. Uh, Christian Budenholz is in the lead at 8-under with Adams Vinson tied with him. Colin Morikawa, 6-under. Taylor Pendrith and Scotty Scheffler at 5-under. Jason Day and Victor Hovland are at 4-under. Going down the leaderboard, Sam Burns at 2-under. Brendan Todd is at 2-under. Ricky Fowler is at 2-under. Patrick Cantlay at 1-under. Jordan Spieth, Max Homa is even. Kevin Kisner and Hideki Matsuyama even as well. Will Zalatoris, Xander Shoffley all sitting at 1-over. And then you get into the cut line. Who's missing it? Who's not getting paid this weekend? First big name on that list, Justin Thomas. At two over for the tournament. Tony Finau down there as well. Matt Fitzpatrick is at three over and a handful of others. Now, for the guys that are still playing, like for Russell Henley, who's only played nine of the holes, he still has an opportunity to find his way into that cut. He only needs to drop one stroke off his score. But for some other guys, like your Trey Mullocks, who's played 11 and is at six over, Roy McIlroy, kind of the same thing at six over. It, it's starting to look like you might just need to pack it up and go home. And uh, you've kind of it's it's interesting when you look at golf because when you don't make the cut, you don't get paid, and and people kind of freak out about that. But God, I mean, you win one tournament, and you're set for life. Let's go to the game hotline now, Reynolds. What's going on? Oh, not too much, not too much. Beautiful day. Listen, I want to. I, you touched on the the, the players' tournament, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just me, but to me, I find that the the PGA is kind of watered down a little bit because I was watching the Live Tournament a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and you have you have some of your your heavy hitting, really well known players on the Live Tournament, and. Now you're having players that are coming out from nowhere that I've never heard of who are making a name for themselves on the PGA. Uh, I'm not saying that they're not good or anything, but uh, I've watched the live tournament. I like the format. Uh, And if I was a golfer, I would have chose that too. I mean, it's just lesser tournaments, more money. Uh, But I just want to get y'all take on that on, on if y'all think the PGA has been watered down a little bit because of the influx of new players that have taken the spots of the uh, old guard. I mean, may, maybe a little bit, but I mean, I, I have zero respect for, for, for what Live Golf has been able to do. Um, you, you know, there, there's issues with the way that it's been funded and, you know, just you're, you're bribing players into trying to take away from the PGA Tour that has stood the test of time. And then when you look at the PGA Tour, you still have the biggest names in golf on the PGA Tour. I understand Liv's got Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and uh, an old Phil, Phil Mickelson. But, I mean, Colin Morikawa, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. Yeah. Those are John Rahm. John Rahm's number one player in the world. I mean, that, those, 
the PGA Tour still has the top guys in golf. Yeah, I think I need to do a little bit of research into the live. I, I, I know they had a big hubbub when all this was taking place, and there was a lot of animosity and hostility. I'm not sure all the particulars of why, um, but, you know, uh, I, I think I have some homework that I need to do and uh, to see what's really going on. I do like the format. I like the team format and the singles format and the live. Uh, but, um, you know, I just thought, you know, at, last week when I was watching the tournament, I was like, where are all these guys coming from? I've never heard of them. And then they're on the leaderboard. Um, now, that's not to say that they're not good. Or, or I mean, I like new blood in, in the PGA. Uh, but the, I just thought it was strange that, you know, having so, many, uh, so, so much of an influx of new players was kind of, you know, uh, just a little weird. Yeah, no, I, I understand. And look, you, you talked about doing research on Liv. Go watch the Netflix documentary Full Swing. Uh, they, they followed around golfers on the PGA Tour while the, the drama with Liv was unfolding, and it was uh, it was very well done. All right. I will do. All right, thank Appreciate you. Appreciate the call, man. We'll take a time out here. Chrissy Freud from Sports Illustrated joins us next. We'll talk quarterbacks in the NFL draft and much more right here on The Game. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 537 here on your Friday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337706 Zero one one one. We talked earlier about the massive trade between Carolina and Chicago. Let's talk quarterbacks now. Now that Carolina has the top pick, who do they take? She covers Mississippi State for Sports Illustrated, and she's also a quarterback guru of sorts. Chrissy Freud joins us on the game hotline. Chrissy, good afternoon. Thanks for taking the time. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Oh, doing well. Thank you for for coming on and you know talk about this this trade first between Chicago and Carolina on paper at least in my opinion feels like Chicago won this trade yeah I would I would say so but I do think that as far as the quarterback perspective goes this is big just because this is such a deep class I was so many talented prospects so I think that uh, when it comes to getting the best quarterback possible that that works out well for them so looking at the quarterback class, obviously you know Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson are kind of the top guys to, to keep an eye on. In, in your opinion, you know where where do those guys guys rank on your list? I'm going to be honest with you; it's not necessarily a popular opinion, but actually, me and Mike Leach talked about this quite a bit before um, he died. So I mean, a lot of people have it as Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Um, and then either Will Levis or Hendon Hooker. I actually find Hendon Hooker to be the best um, of all of those. If I had to pick a quarterback that is just the most appealing to me, um, I would go with him. I think that he developed really well in Josh Heupel's system. I think that he showed um, at Virginia Tech what he was capable of on the ground, and I think that continued to shine through at Tennessee. But I think that at Tennessee, uh, Josh Heupel, obviously a disciple of Mike Leach, and so they throw the ball around a lot. There's emphasis on the passing game, and so I think that he really – I was able to develop as a passer. I think he has a good arm. I think he's a great, good mental processor. I can make plays with his legs. Really can just do it all. I mean, whenever me and Mike talked about this, the only quibble that he had with him is that he said 
if you look, and Mike was always really big on the intangibles and kind of noticing things that other people didn't in a more simple fashion. He said sometimes he'll get discouraged, he'll get down on himself, he's not picking himself back up quickly enough. But I think that he got better about that as the season went on, and I think that he's someone with just a tremendous amount of upside that has shown that he can play in multiple different kinds of offenses. And like I said, just really a do-it-all. I think that Bryce, Bryce Young might be the most mechanically polished quarterback, a little bit undersized that some of these guys are, and I don't really think that it affects them. Um, another guy, really good mental processor that I think is strong um, on the pass and then can use his legs whenever um, he needs to. And then when you look at Will Levis, it's, I mean, this is such a wild card. I think that he's done a good job developing mechanically um, as a quarterback who played the lion role at Penn State. So basically going from this hybrid uh, special type of player role at Penn State, um, and usually those guys are not very developed as passers whatsoever, and me and Will talked about that uh, quite a bit. So I think he's come a long way mechanically. He's put a lot of emphasis on develop, uh, developing mechanically, but I think there is still some inconsistency in lower body mechanics, um, some concerns as a passer. So all the physical tools are there. There's a lot to like there as far as that goes, but I just question, um, I mean, you look at it and it's like, is it is he someone that can reach the ceiling that we were all so excited that Malik Willis, his ceiling might be this, and people got super excited. Like, is it going to be one of those things? Or is it going to be Tommy Stevens 2.0? I mean, quite literally to a T, both of these guys played the Lion role at Penn State. They transferred to the SEC to try to develop more as a quarterback. And I think that Will Levis has surpassed where Tommy Stevens was when he departed for the draft. But, I mean, they could essentially be the same player, and Tommy Stevens is now a third stringer in the um, CFL. So that kind of tells you where those things can lie. So I love to hear you talk about Hendon Hooker being, you know, your top quarterback in the draft because I have said for for months now about how how much I love his game and where he could, you know, correlate that into the NFL with his knee injury now. Obviously, he's going to fall down the draft board a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is it is it likely that maybe the Saints take him in the second round? There's been a lot of talk about that, and I'm obviously here in New Orleans now, so I'm um, not. It's something that I've heard a lot about, and I think that he would be, if he does fall um, significantly, because he's going to be a skill for anyone. And I think that he's someone who's going to fit the Saints offense uh, very well, just as far as what they're looking for and what they've tried to do uh, quarterback-wise. So, yeah, I mean, the ACL tear is always going to be a little bit wary of, because, I mean, you don't know how people are going to come back from it. There are certain injuries in football uh, that we have that some players bounce back and they're totally fine from it, and it's really an anomaly for that to happen in a lot of instances. And there are some players that they come back and they're just quite literally never the same. It's obviously not the same thing, but, I mean, there's baseball players that are great and they tear their labrum and they come back and they're just not the same as they ever were. And so it's going to be a wait and see on that. But, I mean, I think that um, that he'll be fine, and I think that he's a good match for the Saints, like I said. Considering that he's likely going to fall because of that injury, doesn't always happen, but likely will happen, um, I think that he's going to be a big get for anybody. Anthony Richardson comes into this draft as a draft-eligible sophomore from a physical and athletic standpoint. Obviously, it's all there. He just had a freak scouting combine up in Indianapolis. But I question the mental ability, uh, the football IQ side uh, of his game. Where where do you stand on Anthony Richardson? Yeah, I think he came out too early. I I really do. I think that when you have a quarterback that lacks that experience, I don't think he's fully developed at the college level. But I also think that um, there's a lot of people that are defending him, and I do see the narrative here as well. All the changes and adversity that he's faced at Florida, um, he's had a lot of hurdles 
to kind of overcome. So I think that has something to do with it. Maybe if the waters were a little bit more calm over there, maybe Anthony Richardson looks a little bit better. But no, I, I do think that he should have stayed um, another year at Florida. I think he's extremely underdeveloped as a passer. I mean, has all the physical traits you could want, has a really strong arm too. And so it's just going to be a question of whether or not um, he's able to reach his ceiling while making this huge jump. And like I said, I really thought that he needed another year. But if he can pick things up the NFL level and develop um, from a passing perspective and the football IQ perspective, I mean, you're looking at someone who is incredibly dangerous. Talking NFL quarterbacks or, or prospective NFL quarterbacks with Chrissy Freud here on Crunch Time. Now, one guy that I've heard his name a lot, but I'm going to be honest with you, I don't watch a whole lot of Pac-12 football. Um, mm-hmm. Tanner McKee out, out of Stanford. What, what's, the, what's the draw to him and what kind of system could you see him fitting in? Yeah, well, Tanner, um, I talked to Tanner a little bit ahead of the season. Um, very, very mature, very mentally developed quarterback with a lot of experience. I think there's a lot to be said about him from an intangibles perspective. And honestly, I think that he's got some physical tools um, himself. He's more of a pocket passer, but I mean, as far as physically what you want from a quarterback, I think he has the vast majority of it. I mean, there's some things that are said about his release being a little bit um, unorthodox, but I mean, at the same time, whenever you think about that, if it works, it works. And I've had this conversation with a lot of different coaches is like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Even if it's not completely a traditional. So, I mean, that's been a little bit of a quibble with him, but no, I think that he's been underrated for a really long time. And I think that he's kind of somebody that I would put somewhere like with just within the rankings of the draft, I put him somewhere between the realm of like five and seven. Um, where these guys stack up. But no, I think that there's a lot to like about Tanner, a very accurate passer. And then, you know, looking at, at the bottom tier uh, of these quarterbacks, obviously, you know, Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, uh, Clayton Toon out of Houston had a great year this past year. Where where do you see these guys? You know, how do you rank those guys? Anybody could, maybe could categorize as a sleeper in that group? Um, I think one that you didn't mention is Jay Kaner, and I think that he's somebody who deserves to be drafted in the mid-rounds. I just absolutely stole the show at the Senior Bowl. I mean, the Senior Bowl is kind of, I know, its it shows a lot of things, but it also paints kind of a, a weird picture at the same time because, I mean, it depends on, like, how good the defensive backs are and how bad the defensive back, backs are versus how good the wide receivers are and how bad the wide receivers are uh, that particular year, and that can kind of make the quarterbacks I'll look a little bit different and present a picture that may or not, may not be totally accurate, but at the same time, these guys are making the transition to the NFL, so it's kind of a little bit of a simulation of that. So I thought that he outperformed um, those guys. As far as Max Duggan, I think there's a lot of respect to be had for what um, he was able to help TCU accomplish. Whenever I look at Max Duggan, I see overall um, just a very average prospect. Didn't look like he fully went through his progressions at the Senior Bowl, and he throws flat-footed. And one of the things that you'll hear quarterback coaches say is you don't want a quarterback with dead feet, and his feet are dead. And I mean, and he has below-average arm strength. So there's really nothing physically being brought to the table. I think that there's a lot of uh, mental development to go on over there. And then Clayton Tune is kind of up against that weird um, air raid run-and-shoot quarterback narrative that I've had such an issue with for the past several years because, you know, they say the offense is too simple, that it's a one-read offense, which is not true because I can go in my purse right now and pull out our, our plays on a napkin that I still have from Mike Leach, and I can show you the one, two, three, four, five, if anyone's interested in that. Um, but, no, I, I think that he's someone who's a good mental processor as well as overall an accurate passer with an underrated sense 
of mobility. I mean, I thought there was some questionable decision-making at the Senior Bowl, but I think part of it, like I said, has to do with that very quick, small window of adjustment. But, no, I think that he brings a lot of good leadership qualities to the table, very tough quarterback who's come in the clutch several times. Not going to lie, you, you brought up the plays on a napkin. I would, I would love to, to see a Mike Leach playbook. Um, yeah, no, I, could, I can send some of them to you. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> They're fantastic. They're like two words long. Um, and now, you know, as we start to wrap up, we talked about the Carolina-Chicago trade. If you're the Panthers, or is Bryce Young the clear-cut number one pick? Um, I mean, I would personally, at, at this point, with if you're super concerned over Hendon Hooker's injury and you want somebody who can start immediately that has no injury question marks, kind of the same way, kind of the way that Hooker has right now, I would go with Bryce Young, and I do think that he's kind of the fan favorite, and I would honestly be shocked to see um, with the way that this has gone is kind of things I've heard throughout the process. I'd be shocked if Bryce Young was not the number one overall pick. And if it's, if there was some surprise out of the blue, it would definitely be C.J. Stroud. Chrissy Freud joining us here on Crunch Time. She covers Mississippi State for Sports Illustrated. Chrissy, really appreciate your time. Great insight on the quarterback class. Have a great weekend. And as the draft gets a little closer, we'll uh, we'll have you on again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. And there she goes, Chrissy Freud, the quarterback guru. I mean, the the relationship that she had with Mike Leach is just I- impeccable. And, and the knowledge that, that she has gained, I mean, being Air Raid certified now, it, it's just it's just insane. But uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show and get you to your weekend. Woohoo! Next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, James, a couple minutes left in today's show. Players' Championship. Who wins? Who is your winner? I'll take Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa. Or no, 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 sorry, Colin. Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa. There you go. You know, so it's interesting. You look at Colin Morikawa, and he's he's still young in, in the game. He's 10th in the world right now. He's only 26 years of age. And, like, threw 11 holes today because, like we mentioned earlier, the yeah, Players' got Championship suspended. got suspended. He was at hole 11. He was one over par when they called it. But he's still tied for third at six under. So he has five career wins. He's never won the Players. But he has won two majors. He won the Open in 2021. And then he won the PGA Championship in 2020. So he's got some experience. He knows what it takes to win a tournament like this. And I think that he could find a way to get it done. Uh, he's in a sweet spot right now, two strokes behind the lead. Scotty Scheffler is going to make some noise at this tournament. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Spieth made a run tomorrow. So th- there's still a lot of cards up in the air. Does Do Svensson and Budenholz even stay up at the top? Um, th- there's a lot of questions to answer still this weekend where they have to finish out round two and then play round three tomorrow as well. NASCAR, they're in Phoenix. They're getting their first taste of Phoenix because, James, I'm, I'm sure you probably don't know this because you don't follow NASCAR a whole lot. 
But the championship race every year is at Phoenix. So this is the first of two races at Phoenix this year. Who gets their first taste of victory lane in Phoenix? Are you going with your guy, Joey Logano, in the 22? I don't know why he's my guy. I just always end up... Not always, because the first two times we did roll the dice, I went with Chase Elliott and I think someone else. And only last time was the first time I went with Joey, but I've... This I've guy, th- I've threatened it every time. This guy just loves Joey Logano. And I don't know why. I guess it's just because his name starts with J. He just loves I'm just, I'm just a big Joey J guy. Logano. Big J guy. I'm a big J guy. Big Jason Tatum guy. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Michael Jordan. Jay Jerry Wal- Rice. Jay Walker. Jay Walker. James Mesh. James I mean, Mesh. just like yeah, he, I mean, it works. I mean, there's a lot of legend out there. Jeanette Cochran. I mean, come on. I mean, they, That's what all, I'm saying. Like, it all works. Like, Jays are the best. What can I say? Jays are the best. Um, I'm going with Joey Logano as well. Wow. He's, this guy. He's itching for his first win. He's always raced pretty well at Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see it. He's got two wins in the last six because yeah. looking back since 2020, he's won two of them. Yep. And two years per. He could, he could, he could definitely, uh, he could or definitely surprise some year. people. And the other one I would look out for is Kyle Larson. Um, either one of those guys could could win this Sunday over in Phoenix. <laughs> Another one, Jesus. Oh my God! Thanks to Jake Crane and Chrissy Freud for joining Jake us. Jake Crane, another one for James Mesh. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well. Hug your mom and them. Have a hell of a weekend. And we're back on Monday, same time, same station, right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.